Community of Central Oregon podcast. The song was so moving, and it I know some of you are too young for that to have been the soundtrack of your generation, but it was in mine. <laughs> and, and it brings a time when, when we were so hopeful and we were fighting for what we believed was right. And yet here we stand today and it seems like nothing has changed. We're still dealing with people's rights being trampled by the highest courts in the land even. And there's so much that we can get really upset about. And it isn't that there's nothing for us to do. There, there is plenty for us to do. And our fifth principle in unity is don't just think about this stuff, take action. But where we take action from matters. And so we have to go back to the beginning, to the first principle. And the first principle is all there is, is the one. By whatever name you give that, that's the only reality. And it's a spiritual reality. And pure logic leads us to principle number two, we're that. If there's only one, we can't be something else. When we think about independence, because tomorrow we celebrate the 4th of July, and for many of us, it's like, really? We're gonna celebrate this now? I know there are people who are boycotting the holiday. I'm not sure how you do that, but you close your eyes so you don't see the flags or something. But, but the, the thing that's really important is that we recognize that the story of our country, which first of all is a story, not everybody got to have a piece in what was told. It was a story that we get to interpret from a metaphysical point of view. So in the story, there is a king that is far away, and the king is in charge, and the king is demanding payment without giving any rights. And finally, a day comes when the people decide that they are not going to give their power away to someone who is off in the distance. And so they revolt. They claim that they are worthy, that they get to be free, that they get to make decisions for themselves. And we'll just ignore for a minute that they had a narrow definition of who is we, because metaphysically, they are claiming that each one gets to be free. 
So we look at, not at the politics, because that's on the material plane. That's a distortion of the I am. We look instead at ourselves as emanations of the I am. We have all the power, all the creative power that comes with that. And we look at, if we are that, who are we giving our authority over to? Who is the King George in our lives? It's really the same old story as Moses and the Israelites. Who were the Israelites giving their power to? To Pharaoh. So whether it's Pharaoh or King George or the Supreme Court, the power is not over there in an individual. Yes, they can make life miserable for a time, but their power is temporal. The real power comes from the I am, and we are that. And when we step into that power, then we find redemption. Then we can create a true revolution, not with guns, but with a shift, a vibrational shift that happens. And when that vibrational shift happens in the cosmos, everything has to fall into line. Things happen that we had no way of making them happen. This is not about making something happen. It's about accessing true power. There are a number of us that were at the drumming circle in Sisters at Harmony House um, yesterday, which was really powerful. It's the first Saturday of the month if you're ever interested in that and you identify as female. It, while we were drumming, I just felt such a surge of power in that room. And we weren't trying to do anything. We weren't trying to push something. We were just being in community, drumming. And power was in the room. We were accessing something innate, innate to each one of us, and amplified when we are in community. Your voice, your drumbeat, your soul matters because collectively we are creating this. When Dave was talking earlier about prayer claims and, and take the time to fill out a prayer claim. There's gotta be something that you care about, that you want to join with us in prayer claiming. Fill it out, put it in the basket when it comes around because prayer works. It's a technology. Think about the technologies you use every day. You fill out an email, you send it to somebody. Some of them actually read them, right? <laughs> and you have made a communication. 
or you pick up your cell phone. We use technology all the time. We know it works. We roll our eyes at the people that still haven't figured out even the most basic things. Not because we're kind, but because we think we know it all. But prayer is a technology, and it works. It's where we stand together and we claim the truth of the I am. It's so tempting in this world to be a victim. Right now, with everything that's going on in politics, we can sit in that victim seat. We can point fingers at the politicians that are passing whatever we don't like or aren't passing what we think they should. We can do that, but in order to do that, in order to point the finger, we are trapping ourselves on the victim seat. And when we sit on the victim seat, we have no power. We are not identifying with the truth of us. We are identifying with something else, something false. And we can never change the world from the better, from the victim seat. In prayer, we step into claiming from the I am what is true, and stuff happens. I want to share a few stories with you just to give you an idea of how powerful it can be. I read a story of a, a woman who is a unity practitioner, and she lived next door to a man who may have been engaged in criminal activity. The, the rumor in the neighborhood was that he, he was. He was a very intimidating person. And she heard this noise one day, and she looked out, and she saw this snout that was poking out from underneath the shed in his backyard. And she realized it was a dog who was trapped in this hot shed. And she, she gathered up all her courage, and she went to the neighbor, and she said, would it be okay with you if I gave your dog some water and some food. He said, I don't care. Just leave me alone. So she did that. But it was really so heavy on her heart that this dog was trapped in there. But she didn't feel safe because of who this character was to do anything more dramatic. So she took it to prayer. And in prayer, she claimed her oneness with all life. She claimed freedom for everyone. And she focused in particular on this dog. The next thing that happened was a storm came up. This was within days of her continuing to pray every day. This mighty storm, like last night, but even bigger. And it broke the shed. And there was the dog out in the yard. And she realized, this is my answer to prayer. She realized that he would assume that because the shed was broken, 
the dog got out and got free. And he wouldn't bother to look for him. So she went and she took the dog. And she got the dog to a rescue society and the dog ended up with a wonderful home. But it all began with the power of prayer. She could have tried to force something. She could have called and reported him to um, Animal Rescue League or something like that, but that wasn't a safe move for her. She found her safety and his safety, the dog's safety, through prayer. There's a woman, back in the 1800s when Unity was founded, it was right after the Civil War. And this was a time that something had shifted in this country. Maybe it was because as a country we had fought for freedom. I, I don't know what it was that made it shift, but new thought just developed. I mean, it's, it's not new in the sense that, oh, nobody ever had those thoughts before. It has a very, very long history. But suddenly there was a resurgence of it. Unity was founded. Science of mind was founded. All of these different little branches of it. It was the time of Emerson and Thoreau. It was a time when people were thinking new ideas and they were rediscovering the power of the mind. That when the mind is focused, like we talk about it in prayer, when we are claiming that this is true for us because we know who we are as part of the all, that we can make what seem to be miracles. And there are so many stories, there's so much literature that's out there that was written during that time. Because it works. And I think that in our time, people don't always realize that prayer works. Because we went through a period of beseeching kind of prayer. The majority of us in this room, if we grew up in a religious tradition, it was a tradition that put God outside of us as someone to beg for what we wanted who may or may not listen, depending on whether we were good. And, and so that formed at least a whole generation of those who really don't believe in prayer. Or even if we've seen results of prayer, we don't want it because it comes with such baggage. There was a woman I was reading about yesterday, and this is back in the late 1800s, where she needed an apartment in New York City. And much like in Bend, Oregon, there were none to be had. There was such a waiting list everywhere. And she was afraid she was gonna have to go and stay in a hotel and you know, have that huge expense, but instead, she said, no, this is not my truth. And she took it to prayer. And in prayer, she just claimed for herself, there is an ap apartment that is right for me. I know this, I claim this. And she was at peace knowing this. 
Her friends, meanwhile, trying to be supportive, were saying, oh, poor dear, you're going to have to go to the hotel because there's no apartments, which was not really helpful. But she was strong enough in her faith that she held on to that. She held on to that knowing. She even had the thought, oh, I'm going to need new blankets when I get into my new apartment. And she had the thought that said, that's a waste of money. What are you going to do with them if you have to go to a hotel? And she was kind of like, no. <laughs> Deny that thought. She would not give that thought energy. She stayed focused on, I'm going to have the right apartment for me. And sure enough, she did. It was some miraculous thing that came about. 200 other applicants, she got the apartment because she knew it was hers. She knew that as an emanation of the I am, there cannot be a lack. But that takes great faith. It takes great faith in the face of circumstances that say otherwise. Because we have these material bodies and they seem like the reality. And they are real, they're just not the most real. The most real is who we are vibrationally on a higher plane. And when we focus on that, we can create from there. I found myself the other day, um, you all know my husband has been um, dealing with surgeries, and, and so there's been a lot of care involved in that, and I, I've been in a role of, you know, keeping my eyes wide open on him, <laughs> making sure he's doing okay, and just watching, trying to protect him. And, and what I realized is I'm getting so in the habit of thinking, what's wrong? What's wrong? Are you okay? What's wrong? That I'm looking for the wrong thing. I need to be looking for what's right. And as soon as I made that awareness and I made that shift, I start seeing all these things that he's doing that he, he wasn't doing just a day ago. He even shaved his beard because he feels so good that was his symbol of from the inside out. <laughs> But, but I realized, wow, what a perilous road I was starting to go down. And I don't think I'm alone with that. Have you ever been to the doctor? And the doctor says to you, oh, here's, here's something that's wrong. And now it's all you can think about. Now, I'm not saying ignore the doctor. I'm not saying you know, the doctor says this is too high or too low or whatever. I'm not saying don't do something about it in the physical world because we do have physical bodies. But where we go with our minds matters. We are not free if we focus on the material world exclusively. Maybe we've had some situation and we're, we're trapped in grief. And we tell ourselves we can't get out of the grief. 
because it was so big and we just keep focusing on how sad we feel. When I was a, a kid, my mother died when I was young and her mother had stayed with us for a while and every week she took us to the cemetery. And I'm not saying that we should have just forgotten all about my mother. But when my dad remarried, they called us from the reception because it was not in our state where it happened and there were a lot of us kids at home, so we didn't, <clears throat> we didn't go to the wedding. But they called us to celebrate with us this new marriage. We didn't get the call because we were at the cemetery. We were not free because my grandmother was not free. She didn't, she didn't have a way to process her grief. She didn't have a way to open her heart to someone else because someone she lost, loved had been lost. Our freedom is spiritual. We can't, we can't make ourselves stop crying. We can't we can't just get rid of that sadness. Sometimes we want to, right? But we can't. It's there for as long as it's there. But in prayer, when we connect with the I am, we realize, oh, nobody's lost. The, the, the circumstances have changed. But nothing is lost in the one, because that's all there is. Think about for yourself. What are you enslaved to? There's a, this wonderful book. I don't know how many of you have read it by Ta-Nehisi Coates. It's The Water Dancer. This is such an amazing book. It's, it's a novel and it's about the Underground Railroad and Harriet Tubman. And there's a section in this that I'd, I'd like to read to you because it gives an example of what is possible on another plane of reality. Because there's more going on, even in this material plane, than would logically appear possible. So you all know the story that during the time of slavery, there were some slaves that escaped with the help of others in something called the Underground Railroad. We know that it involved brave people. We know it involved safe houses. We know it involved running in the dark from dogs that were trained to, um, to catch and torment the people who were running. It was a terribly scary time, a time of great injustice. So this begins with Harriet Tubman and the main character in this book who has a predilection for the ability to shift realities, as it turns out, does Harriet Tubman. Now remember, this is a novel. 
So I'm not claiming that this is absolutely fact-based. Maybe it is. I want to believe it is, but it is a novel. Stay with me, friend, Harriet said. No exertions needed. They're, they're heading out on the Underground Railroad to rescue someone. It's just like dancing. Stay with the sound, stay with the story, and you will be fine. What happened then was a kind of communion, a chain of memory extending between the two of us that carried more than any words I can now offer you here because the chain was ground into some deep and locked away place where my Aunt Emma lived, where my mother lived, where a great power lived, and the chain extended into that selfsame place in Harriet where all those lost ones had taken up their vigil. And then I looked out and saw them, phantoms flittering. Now the light of Harriet opened with some brightness, and I saw a path before us, across the water that was not water. There was no dock in the distance, but in and out of the darkness I saw the phantoms of Harriet's memory, dancing about as they would have been in that time when they were known to her, and as we approached and passed each one, the phantoms fell away. There's quite a bit more where she's talking about these people and things that happened. Harriet paused here for some moments, and we moved again in silence. I was gripped by her telling and could see the events of her narrative open up before me. And so full was the brilliance beaming out from her that all features of our path stood in green relief. By now, Harriet burned with the brilliance of twenty lanterns, and the pale green extended out into a full white. There was no water. I could not feel my legs. I could not truly feel any part of me. I was now merely a presence, an essence, following a voice. They travel more into the future. They travel into the past. And then the light of Harriet began to dim now, gradually as it had arisen, and I felt my body slowly coming back to me, my thumping heart, my heaving lungs, my hands, my legs, my feet, all now landing, not on water, but solid ground. And I knew we were not in Philadelphia anymore. A door had opened. The land had folded like fabric. Conduction. 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 It's mysterious, isn't it? Could it have happened that way? Maybe so. What is your situation now? Your circumstance that you think is so locked in place that you cannot imagine being free from it. A relationship that cannot be healed a financial situation, a challenge that cannot be solved, a health 
situation. We almost always have something, right? Because we're here dancing on this earth. And there are things for us to learn and discover and become. Our challenges that we have are what call forth our soul. That light that Harriet was radiating, she accessed that through her great pain and challenges in her life. We don't like those challenges, and yet, if we bless them and allow them to call us forth, we find that open door to who we are, the I am. That is who we are. That is who you are. That is who we are as a community. And we need to focus on what is possible, on what do, what do we want, what would we love? What are we here to unfold from our souls? This is where our power is making a commitment to listen to our own souls and letting it draw us forward, refusing to listen to external powers in the sense that we're saying, they have power over me. Knowing that no matter what, no matter what the challenge is before us, when we plug in to our I am, there is always an answer. Do you remember that passage in the Bible, if you grew up with the Bible, that says, knock, and the door is answered? It always happens. It always happens. But we forget we get caught up in circumstances, and that's why we have prayer. That's why we have people like this wonderful prayer team at Unity who will stand with us. It's like having a friend on the phone that you can call when, when something has happened and the friend is there for you. But instead of just saying, oh, poor, poor baby, they say, uh-uh, there's nothing poor about you. Let's claim it together. Let's remember together. Let's change the world together. Namaste.